0: welcome back to girls guts and giallo i'm here again with tina horn and we're going to be finishing our lengthy discussion on clive barker's classic horror film hellraiser welcome back tina
1: i'm so glad to be back you know it's i've been Stuck just being overstimulated in... In a hell uh, dimension. In a hell dimension. And, um... (laughs) But, you know, luckily, before I was dragged there, I spilled some of my seed on the ground, (laughs) and I was able to at least begin to reconstruct my corporeal form so that I could fuck again. I mean, pod once again.
0: I since our last episode just so the the listeners know i have killed no fewer than 5 men to bring it's Tina wondering. back from the grave <laughs> oh, to do this episode with me
1: oh my god and you know that was it was worth it
0: yeah and that's what pride world, world is all the about the world does not miss that. Yeah. <laughs> did the you did you pick weaklings them. i picked very weak ugly british man that's great yeah their life force is put to much better use yeah uh, like if in, i had picked to, more my alphas i i probably wouldn't have had to kill as many but you know such is life so oh my god
1: i wonder if i then would have like come come back as like some sort of like franken himbo
0: <laughs> we can only
1: actually read. that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like a bad life yeah <laughs>
0: So that doesn't sound that bad, yeah. Honestly, okay. Well, um, I'll work on that. I'll work on that. <laughs> so we're back, and and we left off last time talking about how Frank, our quote unquote hero, Frank Cotton, um, is totally anti-hero. Yes, our anti-hero and our other anti-heroine, Julia, were discussing how Frank came to be tortured and be in the captivity Mm -hmm. of the Cenobites. So that's where we left off. And now... We, we got that montage of Frank being tortured by the Cenobites. Um, there's, like, kind of a weird throwaway scene, but I, I like it because it says a lot about uh, Larry's character, where mm. he's watching uh, boxing, and he's, like, boxing along with the TV, and Julia is just, like, totally disinterested in thinking about her corpse corpse BF upstairs. <laughs> And Frank has like a little freak out upstairs where he makes some noise, and Larry insists on investigating. But Julia, uh, being the femme fatale that she is, distracts him with sex, which we kind of um, figure is not something that's happening a lot for this couple. Mm-hmm. So, as Julia and Larry begin to have sex, this you know this movie is not subtle with the metaphors there's a storm mm-hmm. raging outside and this is such a wild scene because larry is completely oblivious as frank begins to sneak up on larry with a switchblade um like he's going to kill him and take his life force yeah,
1: and-, and then julia who is like have who is having sex with her husband, starts screaming no, and really like doesn't
0: a, stop.
1: A very uncomfortable length of time, and it's definitely like horror movie pacing. Like you think that that Frank is gonna kill Larry in order to take his life force, and at this point, at this point, Julia's like, no, just leave my schlubby husband your brother schlubs schlubsband no that doesn't quite work um, <laughs> she's, I'll work, I'll, I'll work she's got back. like a shred
0: of compassion left for him
1: yeah 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 um, and she's like no you can have I'm gonna just keep bringing you guys you can have as many guys as you want just like leave my husband alone for some reason even though she doesn't seem to desire or love him but yeah then she's like Screaming no.
0: I feel like I mean, we talked about this last time where Julia's resolve becomes stronger once Mm -hmm. the men get kind of rapey with her. Right. Like violate her boundaries. And I feel like this is part of an extension of that. Like Yes. You know, go on. I hadn't thought of this. Right. This is the moment where she's like okay maybe fuck this guy (laughs) like it's that's that's what i that's what i think is happening
1: that is very smart because shortly after this she's
0: like you know what i've got some skin right here exactly yeah i've got
1: a person suit just conveniently located
0: right here yeah, and when I was watching the documentary, it was like so funny because the straight men totally missed all of this. Obviously, of like, course, they're very sympathetic to Larry. Of course, and they're like he's just kind of like a good guy, like a decent guy. And I'm like he's an ass. Like he.
1: No, this is like what I said last time when you asked me to characterize him that he is he's probably mostly a nice guy in his life, but it's actually just because he is a weakling and is scared of everything and that and i and i said at the time that like any in a moment when his like true character is like asked to be tested it turns out that he's perfectly willing to rape his wife
0: exactly um another thing we missed is that uh frank slices up a rat
1: (laughs) How could you? How could you miss that? How I, could
0: you miss it? I, I have to mention it because Larry it's very
1: deranged. Completely
0: misses that, um, and he's just like slicing up a rat just to show like what a you know what a psychopath he is. Um, and Larry, classic is...
1: psycho move. <laughs> Larry, well, and he's doing. And it's weird too because it's like he's doing it to torment julia even though julia is his ticket to escaping the cenobites so it just shows that he, he can't like, has...
0: control ever.
1: that's right that's right yeah, yeah that's he, he has if you if y'all control. have missed part one i i think we we really got down to the, some really good nitty-gritty stuff about frank's character and sadomasochism and like, the nature of the Cenobites and what they're offering and why Frank, even though he thought that he wanted it, couldn't handle it. It's, yeah, that he, classic control freak move slicing up vermin while you're in the in the dark, <laughs> while you're fucking their sibling you're married to classic classic,
0: Classic. Classic. (laughs) who hasn't been there so (laughs) um larry is like reacts like a total asshole and he's like you i don't fucking get it you're hot and you're cold like typical you know asshole dude shit um really bad instead of being like oh my god my my partner, why are you crying? Like, let's let's talk. Let me get you a glass of water. It just like berates her. Which um, is what
1: any Rose Malamot would do. Yeah. Unless unless you said, please, I would like to scream no while you taught me. Oh, yes. If
0: that was part I'm of sure it, is you know, then
1: also regard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Larry and Kirsty have dinner at a Chinese restaurant and they discuss mm. Julia's kind of weirdness. And Larry says it's like she's waiting for something. Aww. Right, obviously. Which she is. She's waiting for Frank to be whole. And Larry asks Kirsty to stop by sometime and try to make nice with Julia. So back at the house, Frank tries to get Julia to kill Larry um, and find him someone else if she won't kill Larry. So Julia brings back an, another uh, anonymous man. And Kirsty, having come by at her father's request, sees Julia bringing this strange man back to the house. And, you know, obviously she just thinks she's cheating. Right. So Julia and Frank attack this man together, because Frank is strong enough to do that now. And mm. Kirsty hears the commotion from outside the house and breaks in as frank feeds on this man um and basically Kirsty goes up to the attic um the half-dead man that frank was just feeding on like stumbles out of the door terrifying Kirsty, mm. and frank finishes him off kind of like vampire style um in front yeah. of Kirsty. and now she sees like her skinned uncle who says come to daddy come to daddy and tells her that she's grown and is become really beautiful do you think that there is some implied sexual abuse here or is he just a creep
1: well i definitely think it's implied i think that the a of frank is laid bare here and it and also it sort of exposes what an extreme taboo incest is. Now, obviously, like there's incest of hitting on your grown niece, and then there's the incest of talking about, like, like emphasizing, like, oh, I I think of you as a young girl, which is a different level of incest and abuse, right? right. Um. But, um, also that is so common to have relatives, like, talk to you when you are an adult and, like, emphasize that they think of you as a child and, like, in in an often, like, menacing way and even, like, treating you like a child, like, pinching your cheeks or like infantilizing you were bringing up like memories from like fucking 20 years ago and you're like i am a grown-ass woman
0: fucking no yeah and i it also re- it just kind of even just talking about this just reminds me of how my mother never would have let me be alone with a male family member and that was just fu- that was just normal like that was just life like nobody That's... questioned that <laughs>
1: that's so intense i mean i i except my dad. i've also well but, I'm, I'm i'm glad to hear that
0: Yeah, she, you know that's that not a given but so dad. i felt like i had to say it but yeah, it's, but like that's that to me and i know so many women that have that experience of like yeah i mean a i thing.
1: i've had i've had that experience i mean just to fucking go there especially for people who watch i think that this is worth talking about for a lot of reasons and one of them is that i think that a lot of people see things like this in horror movies and their their reaction to it is just like again like oh this is just an amoral creep but whether it's intentional or not like, part of the horror that it brings up for me is, like, moments, not even just with family members, but, like, family friends, like, Mm -hmm. I have, I'm thinking of one time in particular, uh, in the not-too-distant past, like, when I was, you know, in my 30s, when I was at a, like, family holiday party, and a, like, friend of a family member, was like you know a a, like middle-aged man was like oh hey let me show you something in the garage and it was not even like his home and i was like okay and you know you know me i'm i you know i'm i'm like ready to be like go fuck yourself i'm ready to go full kirsty and be like fuck off you know right. but uh but you know it's like this is the thing it's insidious they like take advantage of these situations and they know just en- like enough how to like feet like power trip on you and um I, you know and then we're just like in the garage and he probably had had a few beers and starts like trying to talk to me about like like dad rock And I'm like, yeah, totally, Steely Dan. (laughs) I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Bye. Um, But then, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh shit, I'm like in a garage with this man I do not know. There's no reason for him to ask me to, like, come in here except to, like, get you along. Get off on, like, enjoying like lightly terrorizing me. Yep. You know? And it it's just these like tiny little I mean, it's not even tiny. It it's like a it's it's I guess it it's kind of like a situational microaggression, you know, where mm. like uh living in this fucking world, it just like wears on you, you know? And for the record, like nothing happened. But then I'm like my blood is like turned to ice for the rest of this fucking, like, party where I'm just mm-hmm. trying to, like, get drunk enough to enjoy myself around my relatives. Um, anyway, so do I think that Frank abused Kirsty when Kirstie was young? I kind of am inclined, it, I'm inclined to say no, I'm inclined to say that, I like, I don't think that it actually happened, but it's just as bad. For me- no I'm sorry I shouldn't say that it's not just as bad it is on a spectrum like harassment is on a spectrum with putting your hands on people and like yes. that form of like violence and sexual abuse and like Kirstie is like you get the sense that she's not just get the fuck away from me because i just watched you like suck the life force from this random man in my dad's house aided and abetted by evil stepmother who i hate but also just get away from me because you're my creepy uncle frank
0: yeah there's kind of yeah i felt the same way like there wasn't explicit abuse but there's a history of like, get away from me, like, you're...
1: It is also funny, just going back to the incest tip, and, like, the fact that he says come to daddy is, like, so gross. Also, is this the biggest... Is this the most notable use, like, pop culture use of the phrase come to daddy? Is this the reason that that Apex twin record is called come to daddy like i'm like i kind of want to do like a cultural history of come to daddy
0: that's that would be really interesting actually if this yeah i would be interested to know that if you find anything Uh, i will
1: i will try to get someone to pay me to uh look into that
0: uh something uh, that could have only been written by a kinky gay person (laughs) Like <laughs> it's... yeah,
1: I, I, well, absolutely. But even okay, so the last the thing, the last thing for now that I want to say about the incest is like, okay, so saying "come to daddy" is like like obviously invokes the horrors of incest. But he's also already her uncle, so it's like he right. doesn't even need to say like. <laughs> you know say so you can just like use the word avuncular and then uh you know he's good well, to go
0: well it's all set up for it to be creepier later when he inhabits True. larry's skin right
1: that's right that's yeah. right
0: so it's all it's a setup for that to be like an even creepier moment
1: right in a way in a in a way come to daddy is kind of the like crux of the entire story. I not to get ahead of ourselves, but like that is the climactic moment where Kirsty is able to
0: outwit him. Right. So Kirsty is he's not
1: that fucking smart.
0: No. <laughs> Super hot, not that smart frank the himbo he's definitely from hell he's a himbo from hell yes and he sexually menaces kirsty and one of the things he says here is some things have to be endured and that's what makes the pleasure so sweet which is a line obviously i love of course but also frank
1: like he's like talking the talk but he can't walk the walk because he's like being a giant fucking baby brat who like totally. cannot actually endure totally the things that need to be endured that is absolutely the like lesson of the centibites but it's like he just he's just repeating that line like he just you know saw it tweeted oh my uh, god like he's read a it a somewhere
0: straight man he's stealing things from these oh my god oh my god yeah
1: he like saw that like you know spray painted on the wall of like the one sex party that he went to and now is like hey here's my here's my line but it's like frank you are the one who wants the pleasures to be sweeter
0: right by virtue of enduring like really horrible things i'm like can't fucking handle it no he can't hang so Kirsty grabs the puzzle box and, y- seeing how Frank reacts to it, she taunts him with it and throws it at the window. Love
1: this. Yeah, love this moment. This is this goes back to what I've been saying about Kirsty, where just every step of the way, like I love the way, and I forget the actress's name, but I I love her performance where she like she's just like looking for something random to pick up to throw at this monster. Um, Relatable, and picks up the pu- puzzle box and sees the way that he reacts to it, and the way that she just kind of looks at it with her like crazed eyes, and is like, "Oh yeah, you like this? You want this? Like, come and get it." And he's like, "No, no, no." And she's like, "Aha!" She's a really good final girl. Yeah, and she like throws she throws it out the window. Yeah, and in really a shot- smart. I would love, I would love to. It's moments like this that really activate the part of me that i know is a very common experience that like likes to watch horror movies and thrillers to like imagine myself Mm -hmm. surviving like what would i do in this situation like if the worst possible thing was happening to me i'd like to think that i would think on my feet i'd like to think that i would run out of the house and not up the stairs etc etc and the fact that like this is very aspirational like in this moment to like figure out like is this your macguffin
0: well it's going with me it's so good. And yeah, t- on that note, like I always think about this. I'm like, I would be fucking dead. Like I <laughs> I would be like screaming, running the wrong way. I would like start to fall back on sex work. I'd be like, you want a blowjob? Like what, oh my God. You- <laughs> <laughs> what that's what Julia does. What? Julia? That's what Julia that's what- does. Yeah. Julia's exactly. like, uh, let me get out of this situation by letting you fuck me. That would be me Yeah, exactly (laughs) So Kirstie, uh, you know, runs out of the house And she grabs the box on the way out Because she's like, well, obviously this has to be important And in a shocked state She kind of like wanders the streets with the box Haunted by the image of her Uncle Frank Skinned Uncle Frank And she collapses on the street And is taken to the hospital The meanest hospital ever (laughs) <laughs> where she's the doctors and nurses at the hospital are like so strange it actually kind of reminds me of um jacob's ladder oh like yeah medical horror and how uh-huh. cruel the doctors and nurses are and which
1: which they really do expand on in part two which we will get to
0: eventually at some point yes Yes. yeah no that's true that that that's a very anti-doctor movie um but before she before she wakes up in the
1: hospital she has this beautiful
0: surreal dream yes to describe the dream to us she
1: (sighs) here's what i remember from it she there are there's feathers in the air that look like snow. And then you realize that it's, like, down from a pillow. And then it, it's in the... um in the dream that she sees the blooming flower, right? Yes. This is, like, the most David Lynch part
0: of this movie. It's very, yes, very David Lynch. There's this blooming flower, and, like, it cuts, and we see that the nurse is watching this blooming flower video on the TV in her room. Yeah. Very,
1: very, Very like, that's, like, classical surrealism, right? This sort of, like, uh, repetition of, like, a dream image on technology in a way that is uncanny and and doesn't feel quite right because it's like, what the fuck is she watching? Is this on TV? Yeah, this bitch Um, is just
0: like watching a flower bloom like a psycho.
1: Like (laughs) but then there's also this beautiful this beautiful image of um a body covered in a sheet which starts to bloom with blood. And just like these effects earlier
0: Is it earlier? Yeah, when she has the dream about her father dying.
1: Oh, I'm mixing up. And then she calls him. This is
0: another dream. Oh, where? But okay, that's what what, this is when we get the flower blooming. But yeah, we talked about that dream last time. Um, Right, 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 right. right. She calls her father, and she thinks he's you know it's a it's a premonition dream.
1: Yes, yes. So, oh, right, and then she calls him. Okay, yes.
0: So, but this is the dream where the flower is blooming, and then we cut to the nurse and the doctor demands that she stay in bed but he like kind of coldly gives her the puzzle box she was clutching and is like well you were holding this when we picked you up maybe it'll help you remember stuff
1: so. and then he's like i can't remember if this is in the movie or the book but he's like yeah it was covered in blood but we cleaned it <laughs> i think that's in the book yeah <laughs> so. it's like it's like she she like is unsure about whether to take it and he's like it's been sterilized which can you imagine just for a second, like people in the hospital, like sterilizing Le Marchand's box. It's so, funny.
0: so it's really funny. So Kirsty opens the box, and she's alone in her this very terrible New York hospital room, which is not unlike how New York hospital rooms actually are.
1: I am telling you, yeah,
0: <laughs> dude. Not
1: to digress, but I recently uh unfortunately uh had to uh take someone to uh urgent care everybody is okay um but i had to take someone to urgent care uh in los angeles recently and this fucking hotel was like oh or the sorry this fucking hospital it was like a fucking hotel. Uh, dude, I couldn't. That's,
0: I have to. Say, like, I know this is a total digression, but like, this is part of why I moved out here. I was like, I, I can't take this anymore. Like, I'm just gonna get older and sicker and more disabled, yeah. and I'm being treated like cattle at these places. Yeah. So, yeah, ab- that's ab- part ab- of why I moved to California. Really. So, you know, good on you, California, for best coast having better healthcare honestly it still sucks but it's
1: <laughs> it's still it's still america yeah. but at least you know yeah it's not quite as bad as the um the hellraiser, the hospital, hellraiser hospital. hospital yeah which is about to get a fair sight worse because Kirsty solves the puzzle which like
0: doesn't seem to be that hard to solve
1: <laughs> like kind of, they, they what kind of is this
0: puzzle yeah it's just like, like
1: pressing a, it a it button like, yeah. it's so tricky because we can't just have anybody
0: solving it but like <laughs> it doesn't like, really seem like much of a puzzle it's it's <laughs> it just seems like you press a button and then like it comes apart and then you put it back together yeah um
1: Um. but this is such a beautiful Another beautiful example of creating really striking imagery with practical effects and lighting, and just the way that the space transforms into a nightmare space is almost more like how you would do it, like on stage in a theater.
0: Mm, yeah, and it it remind again re- reminds me of Jacob La- Jacob's ladder, and I think they, totally are not far apart in when they were released. Um, I think that's right. So
1: God, I haven't I need to rewatch that movie. That that's, movie great.
0: that's like one of the movies, one of the, the only movies to ever really, really upset or scare me. Um, oh, I did see your, uh, your letterbox list of, uh, of
1: movies that actually scared. Me. Okay,
0: everyone's dragging me but unfriended is scary. All right. <laughs> I did. I did actually mean to ask you
1: about unfriended.
0: And, and I what? find, I think I find another, again, another major digression, but I think I find screen recorded horror so terrifying because like I'm on a screen all the time.
1: Do you, I know I've said this to
0: you before, but
1: I, there, there, there's kind of a list of movies that I am too scared to watch by myself, but I still want to watch them. Uh, and of course, because it's me, it's like the list of like the most fucked up movies of all time, like a Serbian film where I'm just oh, like, yeah. and, and 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 martyrs.
0: Uh, which you martyrs have is on your letterbox so list. scary. Oh, and in case you guys are wondering what lists we're talking about, you can find me on Letterboxd. You can hmm. find me on there at Girls Guts Jello, and I have all of my lists. Um, it really uh, calms me and it fulfills my obsession with having to catalog movies so
1: great great resource check you're, it you're out really, you're, you're you're promoting social good um but yeah i really what i want like now that the vax has hit what i want is the next time that we're in the same place i would love to just like drink a lot
0: and watch of wine the worst and way. watch like the scariest martyrs <laughs> yeah oh i will definitely do that with no one will like um my housemate, like, has seen Martyrs but won't rewatch really it with me. So... <laughs> I, so you're... It, it's a date, basically.
1: Amazing. I yeah. can't wait. Okay. So, uh... So... So, Kirsty is about...
0: She's about to open so the she, puzzle box. So, so... And
1: she's... Yeah. And so then the hospital room changes and she's, like, starting to essentially, like, enter... The Cenobite dimension, right?
0: yeah, so there's like a, a door that magically like a creepy corridor that magically appears and it's like filled with cobwebs and Kirsty enters and walks down this really spooky hallway, very effective and totally. not unlike in her dream from when her the dream about her father dying, there's a baby crying, so what does the baby crying represent it's a that's a good question. I Yes, like my instinct is just like, well, baby's crying is creepy, but like, you in, in probably movie. innocence, innocence, right? Innocence lost, probably, right?
1: Yeah, or the idea that like no one is safe, not even babies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I think you're right. I think it's about innocence, um, and yeah. I think like as she's going down this corridor, right, her innocence is about to be lost yeah Um, yeah she encounters this like horrific disgusting amazing practical effects scorpion like monster which is the leviathan
1: okay can we talk about this because i feel like i've read it's never really explained in the movie what that monster is but i i've heard it suggested that it is the engineer okay it could be yeah um but is this is this thing it it doesn't appear
0: to be a cenobite? i feel like it's a pet of the cenobites <laughs> like they're they're like commanding it but it's in the second movie too kind of yeah uh, or maybe it is yeah. the engineer i don't know i'm because in the book the engineer is like a a lady cenobite. Um. right yeah i mean so i guess this just kind of begs the question
1: like is this thing just a like so far the the creatures that we have encountered from this dimension are all sort of sentient and like from the order of the gash and sort of have like agency and intention so it kind of comes across at first like this creature is just a little bit more like here's a crazy fucked up creature that you might encounter like in this world but i but then i also maybe get the sense that it is more sentient or like in control of what's happening than we see because leviathan in the second movie is the god of hell right
0: right i guess i was thinking about this as like a manifestation of the god of hell like uh a, like a, a minion or something like
1: maybe maybe more of a a minion or an aspect yeah um but in any case it's fucking disgusting it's horrible. very impressive yeah <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> like puppeteering it's so and, good and and yeah Kirsty's like
0: nope nope
1: nope 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 nope
0: Yeah, she runs down this hallway And it almost catches her But she escapes back to the hospital room As the the corridor closes But her her ordeal is not over Or does she Or does she Yeah, her ordeal is not over And suddenly the hospital room changes again The TV shorts The IV bag fills with blood And bursts all over the wall A lamp explodes Um, This cold mist fills the room As the chatterer appears And comes towards Comes towards Kirsty, Shoving its fingers in her mouth Which Um, again Like
1: That Like fingers in the mouth Is a recurring motif Of Hellraiser And is specifically associated With not only Sex between Frank and Julia But as we talked about last time Like consent (laughs) Like, Like she like this like is totally yeah i, I think, yeah i i feel like i can't remember if we've skipped over this part but there is also a moment where um where julia like lets frank know that she is all in when he is like b- like still like bloody and skinless and disgusting mm-hmm. and she like rubs his Gnarly on her mouth. finger, yeah. like along her lip, like she's applying a bold lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and so and and there's a scene in their flashback love scene of fingers in the mouth. So then in, but in this moment, it's like clearly like perverse violation. Anyway, just gotta gotta love anything with hands going into holes. Gotta take a moment to talk about that because not
0: enough of it in cinema. To... <laughs> it's true they not especially these days um they they uh, C- a couple facts from the documentary about um, the Chatterer Cenobite and the Butterball Cenobite. So Nicholas Vince plays the Chattering Cenobite. First of all, these were not called these names in the script. These, they, these are colloquialisms that the people on set came up with, and it just stuck to the Cenobites. Okay. So they, they started okay, calling... So the, do- they were like, oh, this so- guy's like the Chatterer, and this guy's the Butterball, and they just started calling them that. So
1: do you feel that Butterball is a fat-phobic
0: name for this fat centipede. Oh, absolutely. But I also think he's a fat icon. (laughs) He
1: totally is. With Uh, his, like, shades, with his, like, little sunglasses, he's, he's maybe
0: the most stylish. He's so stylish. And obviously, so the Chatterer played by Nicholas Vince, he says, like, that moment wasn't planned. He... So neither the neither Simon Bamford, who plays the butterball, or Nicholas Vince could see anything in their prosthetics. So they had to be directed. So Nicholas Vint, they were like, Oh, walk forward, Kirsty, you know, is in front of you. So he just walked forward with his fingers and they just kind of found her mouth and both actors just went with it.
1: Wow. Yeah. That is Fascinating.
0: And the other fascinating thing, which I think is really I think you'll also be interested in as a as a pervert, Nicholas Vince, <laughs> so he's in the chatter room makeup, he can't see or hear anything for hours and hours. And wow Nicholas Vince went into a really zen place about it. Like he would oh, yeah. ju- like in the sensory deprivation, basically. He would just kind of like be zen in this chatter costume for hours people would like not know if he was asleep he would just be like sitting there all peaceful and zen and simon bamford had the complete opposite reaction playing the butterball Cenobite, where he was so upset by being in this costume for so many hours he would just cry in his suit
1: wow so that's maybe something that doesn't get talked about enough is that in order to portray the Cenobites they have to be in this these actors have to surrender to this intense bondage and they are having two very typical responses to being
0: in bondage yep love it I know. I found that really obviously as a as a perv. I'm like that's fascinating for that's like the two diametric um opposite reactions of being in in sense dep as we mm. as we like to call it in the community. And that's... <laughs> in the scene in the scene Pinhead appears in all his majesty played by Doug Bradley and Kirsty says, Who are you? And he says, Explorers in the further regions of experience, demons to some, angels to others. <laughs>
1: Great and had impersonation. <laughs> really well done.
0: <laughs> so the, the Cenobites, right? They're in Rose Sylvester's amazing fetish wear. Yes. They look like leather people, they look like a leather family, like an interdimensional leather family the This moment of the film, when we finally meet them, I mean, they're in the film for like what less than fifteen minutes, and yeah, they're the most memorable part of the film. Uh, they're like the the kinkiest part of the film. They're just the makeup and costuming is just incredible with them um, it's
1: it's it's really it's beautiful to imagine that people what am I trying to say? Like you can't get something like this when you have a project that is created by committee. You know? Like you just have to let people go nuts and that is so undervalued as a way of creating
0: iconic
1: and profitable art.
0: Yes. Yeah, this is one of those films where the hand of the artists is so present. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite Cenobite? Oh,
1: great question. Um,. I love all my children equally. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a favorite, although I will say that the that in Hellbound the second movie the way that the speaking of the doctor the when we get to actually see the transformation of the doctor into a Cenobite, it is so fucking disgusting oh, yeah and i like i don't know if i would say that he's my favorite but I, I i think that there it was it was nice when i watched that to feel like oh i could still be shocked that's nice
0: yeah, totally. I am I hear you there. That scene is disgusting. Uh Yeah. I think my Cenobite is the female Cenobite cuz I think
1: yeah, she's really yeah, sexy that, Yeah, that that completely That tracks. That completely sense. Yeah. Oh, um so uh keeping um uh, consistent with uh last episode, I want to read the description of um of Pinhead from the book. Yes, please. Because this is the first description like from the mind of Clive Barker like that would eventually become this iconic uh character. Um so I think it's worth returning to. Um This is on page 8 of the book do you understand the figure beside the first speaker demanded its voice unlike that of its companion was light and breathy the voice of an excited girl you mentioned this last time that uh, pinhead was originally sort of more female
0: coded like an androgynous gender fucked exactly yeah
1: Every inch of its head had been tattooed with an intricate grid, and at every intersection of horizontal and vertical axis, a jeweled pin driven through to the bone. Its tongue was similarly decorated. That is so hot. I also definitely would like to see an incarnation of all of those pins with like jewels on the tips.
0: Yeah, I really, you know, there's obviously there's been talk about remaking this movie, and now Clive Barker, you know, please horror nerds don't crucify me. I don't know the exact details of this, but I think Clive Barker is now has some of the rights back, Childreaser. Mm. So I would really like for a a, a queer woman to remake this if they're going to remake it if they must i would really like for a queer woman to do this and make it even queerer and more femme because that is super femme those jewels on the pin like come on yeah <laughs> you know um i will say that
1: this is not a dig at barker or anyone involved But sometimes there are just limitations of what you are allowed to show in the medium that you're working in. And they obviously did an incredible job of preserving so many details of the vision of this story in in this movie. But there are the moments when Frank is like both like the first his first encounter with the cenobites and then his description of what it has been like to exist in their clutches that are the way that they are dramatized in the movie are amazing and especially the like hooks just flying horizontally through the air and like piercing flesh is like obviously um incredible but it would be really fun and I don't know anything about the language of cinema maybe not nothing but I don't know anything about like how to I wouldn't know where to start with constructing that scene if I were actually like tasked and given the budget and like working with experts on like how to construct something like that but it would be really amazing to see someone who is on barker's level of cinematic imagination and horror imagination be able to like let us spend like 10 15 minutes of a sequence of this movie like in that space in frank's experience
0: Mm, i agree yeah
1: I mean I suppose that it doesn't it doesn't even need to be a remake of this story in particular but like maybe a different story about someone's experience in the cenobite dimension. I would love to see that. who who working now could you know I think that Yermel uh, Del Toro totally um could accept that he has a bent towards this sort of like childlike fairy tale mm-hmm. stuff and so i i don't it's it's it i, I don't know if he there's not a lot of f- sex in his movies per se except any- for a if little if bit of gothic in,
0: in the way that sex has kind of disappeared from films mm. Um, mm there is uh, a writer named kate Hagen. um hello kate um she is on Twitter as um that Hagen girl, and she wrote a really amazing essay, um, article about the disappearance of sex scenes in film, um which includes oh I gotta read that yeah which includes like empirical data analysis, um, nice like basically I want to say since two thousand ten only one point seven percent of films have sex scenes, um all films so I've been spreading this like gospel because as you know there's a lot of debate on Twitter and yes I know Twitter is not real life but it does control our media (laughs) landscape Um, there's been a lot of debate on Twitter about like sex scenes and are they necessary and I hate even entertaining that but I feel like it's important to at least address it because we live in such a really like a a puritanical moral panic moment around sex so i feel like that's why people are saying that um and it's factually untrue like there are not sex scenes in movies <laughs> so it's you know which is it's interesting to me that people think there are so many right um but there's not so i will send that to you tina um
1: yes please and, in you know and it's notes and it's funny because I have started to get more credits lately working as an onset intimacy coordinator. That's so cool. Um, which, thank you, uh, which, you know, if anybody is... Listening and works in film, and wants uh, to work with an intimacy coordinator with a background in the sex industry as well as literature and cultural criticism, and also just like fucking talking about sleazy movies on podcasts.
0: Renowned sex freak. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciated that you called me a famous pervert. (laughs) It is is true. Um, uh, But uh but yeah you know it's it's been it, it it is it's so interesting like talking to i mean i've worked with so many amazing people in both film and tv and theater at this point like but just like it's it is really a way and i say this with like love and respect to the people that i've worked with it is incredible to see like what the the like fears and baggage that people are bringing to sex scenes um just from working with them on like sort of being like a stunt coordinator and and like choreographer uh but for sex it's um you know it's it it involves a lot of emotional labor because it brings up a lot of emotions for people and that's just the nature of it and and it makes total sense um you know there are two there are two horror filmmakers who i almost feel like could do it um and one of them, I know you're gonna hate me for saying this, is Ryan Murphy just because No, I love like, Ryan Murphy. A, like American American horror story is is my favorite trash. Oh, I'm a it big makes- fan. I love him. Yeah awesome oh great that's an unpopular opinion um i well you know, i love those I, just, <laughs> I i just i just love i just love camp maximalism like what oh, can i, I say think, um, i think
0: he's great i think he yeah camp maximalism is i i love i pretty much like everything he's done honestly
1: it, it is it's it's so i mean except like, glee like well listen i am a musical theater uh queer so um i I even (laughs) love glee i love glee um but um uh no you know american horror story often doesn't make any sense uh and like leaves a lot to be desired but it is so batshit deranged and or like really goes there, which is why I enjoy it. Cause my nerves are fried and I just need like to count on every episode of a thing just being like just fucking shaking me up. Um and there was even some moments in that the Ratchet series that and I just love all the people that are casting these movies. This is such a digression. What is happening? Uh I feel. Uh, you know, and also Say what you will about Ryan Murphy, but he is not Scared of sex, I mean, no, in I his mean, Movies, part uh, of I don't know I... He
0: may personally be very scared of sex but... No, that's that's why, I. it's part of why I like him Is he's one of the only people making Sex scenes, <laughs> so I, I mean, you know There's a lot of argument, again, this is like also This is, the whole thing is a huge digression, but You know, whatever, it's my podcast oh um, yeah <laughs> And there's, you know, there's a lot of discussion And there has been a lot of discussion historically In feminist or queer spaces About the over-sexualization of media And I really um, There's another writer named R.S. Benedict and she actually wrote uh, An article about this for Blood Knife Yeah, there's a ton of Exploitation of bodies But there's no Pleasure and mm. No one is actually fucking So it's like a very capitalist, you know, exploitation of sex and bodies, but it's not sexy or sexual. So, I yeah, think that's I would, it would also be it would also
1: be fun to see someone solving Le Marchand's box and getting it you know like somebody like actually happy
0: to be in the club. that's
1: what i'm saying yeah 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 um i kind of i also kind of like the idea of even making it like a dark comedy where they're just like oh man we just keep throwing shit at this person and they just like love everything we do it's like that scene in um <laughs> in uh little shop of horrors have you speaking of musicals um, i love that movie. Have you seen, yeah, the the scene where Bill Murray um goes to uh Steve Martin, the
0: sadistic dentist, and is just like, yeah, like how many root canals can you give me in one day, doc? <laughs> <laughs> Steve Martin as that dentist is one of my avatars. So,
1: one hundred percent. That's that's uh that's a key karaoke uh, song for me. Oh,
0: um, I, I see that for you very clearly.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. That and the, uh, the 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 Tim Curry uh um uh pollution demon song uh, but anyway yeah. uh, <laughs> uh uh yeah we just need like villain karaoke uh now that now that, that uh, really we've got now that we have all of the um the bill gates nanobots um flowing through our our bloodstreams mm-hmm. and we can go to karaoke mm-hmm. bars again um, <laughs> um uh anyway oh is somebody else that i feel like might be able to do it is Ari Aster not necessarily because of any like good indication of, of sex or sadomasochism that I've seen in his movies, but I just feel like he is capable of like really arresting disgusting images and would be prepared to go there.
0: Yeah. And I would also love to see, um, what is his name? Pierre Logier, the guy who directed Martyrs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that a Pascal Laugier, Pierre, I'm like so anti-French, yeah. Pascal Laugier, <laughs> Pascal Laugier, Um, he did...
1: Jean-Jacques.
0: <laughs> Frère Jacques oh Um He, uh, it, yeah, I would like to see what he would do with it, actually. Um, well, you know that this this
1: prudishness I mean you said it so beautifully in in the last uh in the last uh edition of in part one of this podcast that uh that you hate misogyny but you hate prudishness more and I think that probably what we are going to see in response to whatever this Gen Z prudishness is is gonna be like it's 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 hell of alarming uh especially from young queers uh Mm -hmm. but um we're gonna see like a a swing in the opposite direction like what is it? What is it? The like French like extremist?
0: Uh... Totally. There's going to be a response, right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, new front like new French extremity. Um. Right. That's what it's called. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And uh, before we get back into the movie, just to get on my high horse for a second, because we're talking about Please this, do. and I feel so passionately about this, I think that the current discourse around younger queer people and even people our age, um, who. You know, we're kind of adopting these uh, backward puritanical ideals. It's just really indicative of how effective the right has been in co-opting social justice language and Correct. how effective they have been with the passing of FOSTA-SESTA that happened a few years ago. How Correct. that campaign that they've been setting up for since the at least the 1980s Um how right and these that has these been. these coalitions of
1: the religious right and evangelicals and second wave feminists and homonormativity and like all of these different people who are just like we can i mean not to keep promoting myself but my comic book Safe Sex is like specifically it's a social thriller about those coalitions and the ways that they are like we want to preserve our way of life and we are going to marginalize like freaks and perverts because everybody can get behind the idea that these people are bad for Society. Yep, we can and... even get
0: other queer people behind it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly So if you oy, ever oy, find oy. yourself well, aligning with that Which you probably don't if you're listening to this podcast But if you do Take a second to off. consider <laughs> That you are aligning yourself With uh, an evangelical Christian right ideology Kirstie um, So you know, is like She's listen. like please don't take me I the Opening the box was a mistake And the Cenobites te- tell her That she must come with us and taste our pleasures Um And uh, Pinhead also has this iconic line where he's like, no tears, it's a waste of good suffering. Beautiful. Uh, (laughs) And Kirstie tells the Cenobites, you know, that Frank escaped them and asks to trade him for her and she'll lead them to him. Again, Kirstie
1: so, so thinking on her feet under incredible duress. Totally. (laughs) Is like, wait a minute, like, I know who, like, all bets are off with my... (laughs) with my like like you know like filial piety to my uncle like i will definitely be throwing him under the bus right now
0: yeah and i love that the female Cenobite is like perhaps we prefer you nice <laughs> and then they're like ah, eh, they don't actually agree to it they're like yeah maybe and uh, They're like, oh, this will be amusing. Exactly. And Pinhead, of course, says the, the another iconic line where he's like, we'll tear your soul apart. So back at the house, Julia and Frank scheme over what to do about Kirsty. Larry comes home. Um, oh
1: wait, oh wait, just I just have one plot question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How is it? That the Cenobites don't know that Frank has escaped.
0: I mean, I got to imagine they got a lot of people they're looking at. They're, they're torturing, right?
1: Okay. So they just have this entire dimension, this like dungeon dimension. And Frank has like clawed his way out of it. And they are like busy, coming up with creative ways to eviscerate some other unworthy perverts yeah maybe and they, they just were like, like haven't
0: noticed yeah maybe they were like you know we're just gonna put frank in this sense debt box for a few months and forget about him
1: i uh. guess that also is relatable
0: yeah okay <laughs> my evil laugh so <laughs> just like put him in chastity and they're like yeah they were like we'll be back uh, maybe
1: so (laughs) but there is but there is a sense you know you're you're right they they don't actually like agree to her terms but they're like the game's afoot like this will be this will be fun but there is a sense even though they're like well we don't really care but they do have rules that they have to adhere to like they have to be summoned mm-hmm. and once you've summoned that i'm very interested in like there's consent world world rules yes and there's consent so it's like you've summoned them you can't retract your consent unfortunately which is bad politics but that's fine <laughs> um it's the, they're the set fights um and so they um they they have to be summoned once you've summoned them, they have like dominion over you and can do whatever they want with you uh, for eternity, presumably. Um, And the fact that Frank has escaped means that they are interested in bringing him back. Like, I think they are sort of offended by the idea that he would escape because he's terrified that they're going to find him and bring him back so I think they are a little bit like Once you belong to us Like you're our pet And like we're gonna like Send the hounds after you And bring you back
0: Yeah if I, and if I can even get deep with it And make like a biblical connection Like this I, I kind of like the idea of them being Close enough to human That they make human errors Like Oh I like that Yeah like they don't know that he's missing and it kind of reminds me of in the book of genesis when god
1: what got... is this i've never heard of this book is it a what is is it like a bestseller what is it
0: the book of genesis the Gen- first, Gen- the first Gen- book. genesis never heard of it <laughs> I'm, I'm like are you being sarcastic
1: <laughs> our crumb comic okay anyway go on <laughs>
0: so uh when god is uh walking through the garden of eden and adam and eve are hiding from him because they're hiding their Mm. nakedness and god you know god says where are you like why would god not know that so right right there's this human element to um these gods or whatever they are well he's very jealous
1: yeah he's not 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 polyamory would not work for the Old Testament.
0: No, 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 not at all.
1: <laughs> so, no uh, compersion.
0: No from, compersion here for for from, Yahweh. From God. So
1: yeah. <laughs> for <From> Yahweh, exactly.
0: <laughs> um.
1: <sighs> okay. Okay. That that, but, that um. I like that a lot. I'm glad we went on that detour because that is that's sort of because they're they're not really they're not really gods they're sort of more like um like an or like they're the order of the Gash. so they're kind of more like priests but they have sort of like like a i mean they certainly have they're powerful so
0: right so uh Kirstie's boyfriend's useless boyfriend steve comes to visit her in the hospital but she's escaped um and julia and quote-unquote larry um have sex but it's obviously not larry because julia's so into it right i'm 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 very i'm happy for julia that she got her
1: reward for all of that hard work that she she did she
0: got some sex so Kirstie comes back to the house and demands to see her father and Kirsty sees Larry in his bedroom and she hugs him relieved, but something really isn't right. Um, Larry's head is kind of bloody. He's like, skin- his skin is like busting at the seams. <laughs> um, it's almost yeah. as if it's not his skin. So yeah. obviously Frank has killed Larry and is wearing his skin, but Kirsty doesn't know that yet. So, um... He tells Kirsty that he killed Frank and Kirsty insists on seeing Frank's body and goes into the attic and sees uh, a skinned steaming corpse and gotta love that that steam. Love, love that steaming corpse and the son of oh, So bad appear again. It is sad and Pinhead says, "We want the man who did this." Um, but Kirsty thinks that her father did that. So, um she's like, "No, you can't have him." and runs away. And there's this scuffle with Julia and Larry in which uh Kirsty realizes that Larry is actually Frank because he says, "Come to daddy." Uh there it is. There it is, and she scratches that some of the skin off his face, and I
1: think that there's also an element where Kirsty is upset when she when she thinks that Frank is dead, she thinks that she's fucked because Frank was gonna be her ticket uh like she was gonna trade Frank for. Uh, her, like Frank's life for hers to the Cenobites so she's like he's like no use to them dead so she thinks also that the Cenobites are now going to come collect her
0: um Julia does or, or no does.
1: no oh Kirsty does no okay. Kirst- no
0: Kirstie does yeah So Frank uh, reveals his, Frank Larry reveals his switchblade and approaches Kirstie as if he's going to stab her. But instead, he betrays Julia and stabs her. Um, And he says, it's nothing personal, baby. And the life drains from Julia, a la The Hunger style, um, Mm. as she rapidly becomes a hideous corpse. Well, she
1: did, she did get her, her last...
0: She got her last Lay of the book century. In. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh and uh, just so that I don't forget to mention it here is another wonderful image from the book that I don't know why they didn't include in the movie which is that uh later you see um Julia's body in her wedding dress somehow. But her head in her lap, calling to Kirsty to save her. It's very haunting.
0: Kirsty, uh, you know Frank starts stalking her upstairs into the attic, and she hides in the closet. She encounters a terrible corpse of one of the men Julia killed, whose like mouth is filled with maggots. Um, and Frank corners Kirsty in the attic with a switchblade, and he's like, he calls himself your dear old Uncle Frank. And having admitted himself and confessed as Pinhead wanted the Cenobites reappear and they're going to take him back. And all those those dozens of hooks and chains emerge from the ether to claim Frank again um, as the Cenobites close in on him. It is, again, a
1: little unclear to me whether the Cenobites didn't realize that larry was frank or if they were just enjoying the fact that like all of this hideous shit was happening to everyone in this house
0: who knows but i either way i like it because i like the idea that they commit error and i like the idea that they're just so sadistic that they're like let's see what these stupid humans do totally it's probably a little bit of both yeah so frank you know they they say like this isn't for your eyes, which is another line that I love. And <laughs> Frank advances towards Kirsty, but those hooks like pierce his hands, restraining him. And more and more hooks appear, piercing Frank over his entire body in a grotesque manner. And yet still, he licks his lips at Kirsty. A pervert till the end. You know me, same and. <laughs> And he says Jesus wept, and then Kirsty runs away as Frank explodes. Okay,
1: I, as I just half joked, know very little about Christianity. What? Do, what? I don't fully. I know people love this line. They do, but I don't. I don't fully understand
0: why it's so perfect for that moment so I, I i can't say that i do either um but you know like i know about the book of genesis from being raised jewish so right that's and you know they would not talk about god being human in christianity that's a very like jewish take on that genesis story um totally. but in my understanding very like, talmudic of you yeah I mean, right and <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in my understanding um that is a line actually you know what let's just look it up jesus all right what is so many people listening to this who like suffered through
1: like, <laughs> i know they're like oh come on <laughs> so like you guys don't know i mean it probably has something to do with like him being tortured Uh, yeah so
0: but okay so i'm reading that it it does have to do with him um it's in the it's in the shortest verse in the king's james version of the bible um and it is found in the gospel of john chapter 11 verse 35 and the reason it is so significant oh it actually so it actually occurs um when lazarus um Lazarus's sisters send word to Jesus um of their brothers impending death. And after Lazarus dies, Jesus wept. so the the reason that that's significant is because it shows that um Christ was a true man with real bodily functions like tears and sweat and blood.,
1: Ooh, what other bodily
0: fluids did Christ <laughs> have going on? Um, right, because that's Jesus. A- Came. That's, it's a and Jesus came. So that's it's a, it's a significant de- because there's a, a big de- debate historically in Christianity is if Jesus was divine or man, right? So Got it. that's why that line is important to biblical scholars um, So that kind of brings me back to this idea of human error and of the gods and of the cenobites being close to human. Um I don't know how exactly to connect that, but that's what it makes me think of.
1: Apparently, also the original line was fuck you. And that's then hilarious. Andrew Robinson <laughs> ad libbed it.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Um Oh, it says um on screen rant, I'm reading that the actor decided to use a phrase he had heard often in his childhood in place of swears okay so like instead of saying a bad word you would say Jesus wept I. Th- this is getting into some deep Christian stuff that you and I are hopelessly. We're like. Ooh. like <laughs> I feel very very comfortable as somebody who has two literature degrees and has had to sit through a lot of fucking people being like well this moment is kind of like the bible and I'm just like oh god <laughs> who mon Dieu <laughs> like
0: i mean like like, that's who fucking cares i use it when i see really bad takes on twitter and i'm like jesus wept like i love this again this is
1: i love love, uh this is again from screen rant uh it's possible that the phrase is used as a way to mock christie's horror and grief over her father um Mm. in the face of frank's sublime agony it can also be seen as a sort of dark comedic line as if frank is essentially saying oh bother just because he's being literally ripped to
0: pieces oh my god yeah i mean it's a very interesting choice i find it interesting that that was his that andrew robinson's ad lib
1: as you mentioned the Cenobites were like no deal like we actually yeah they're like, like we didn't agree to that so. like we're we're in your that's that's classic a classic top move be like, I didn't actually tell you that I would I didn't release you if you
0: definitively that I would let you out of the box.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so. and there, you know, I mean, at th- this this moment, like the climax of this movie really is 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 the moment where this is the the movie is the most at, at its at its peak, like haunted house, right? Campy, Things are just going like full, of, uh, yeah, haunted house. Like even just the fact that like so much shit is going on that you've forgotten that like also the house is full of the like desiccated corpses of many corpses. (laughs)
0: Yeah, the there's this great part where um the female Cenobite advances towards Kirsty, Kirsty sca- scraping a hook against the wall as blood drips out of the wall. Um Kirsty finds Julia's desiccated corpse in her bedroom, uh, gripping the puzzle box and Kirsty
1: Which I just like to imagine that the lady centibite while well, like all of this jesus web nonsense has been happening in the other room has been like ooh like setting like, her up we, in there <laughs> yeah has, has has just been like ooh like uh, you know now i get to play with julia like in the other room like you know when you've been like having a scene at a play party for a little while and then you like go into another room and you're just like oh my god like <laughs>
0: When did you have the time I mean, to, like, set up this elaborate thing? Right. I mean, there's some uh, sexy stuff going on. That female Cenobite seems very interesting, Kirsty, Like Absolutely. she like she did in the hospital room, too. She was like, perhaps we want you instead. <laughs> and <laughs> now, now she's, like, going after her with this hook. So um, Kirstie grabs the puzzle box and Pinhead appears behind her and says, we have such sights to show you. And love it kirsty closes the puzzle box sending the centibites back to hell really funny effects here with those blue lasers oh yeah <laughs> yeah definitely go back definitely, to hell.
1: yeah it's a little um those those lasers are uh, perhaps the most the most dated that yes, the, this
0: film that yes. the movie. Yeah,
1: and, um, is this the point where uh, <laughs> Steve tries to Steve help? Fucking shows she, up. Yeah, he, tra- he tries to help, and the uh, house is and collapsing. Hershey just like literally is like, <laughs> it- it's not just us that thinks that Steve is useless. She like literally shoves him away. She's like, you have no idea what I have been going through. You She's cannot like, help me. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but then he gives her his dope jean jacket, which is, like, the only
0: helpful thing he does. Totally. Um, Kirstie, you know, she uses the puzzle box to send the centimates back to hell, but the box has a mind of its own, and it releases that creature from before into the house. Mm. And the creature and Kirsty fight over the box, but Kirsty wins and sends the creature back to hell, our great final girl. And Kirsty and Steve watch the house burn to the ground. Uh, Kirsty throws the puzzle box in the fire <laughs> this is the stupidest part of the movie to me it is it, it is it makes no sense yeah the creepy vagrant who's been following Kirsty around appears and walks into the fire retrieving the box and suddenly turns into like a hellish skeleton pterodactyl that flies away with the puzzle box. <laughs> and it's like who is he supposed to have been exactly <laughs> like, what like just another demon from hell
1: i'm sensing that there was maybe some cocaine involved in this <laughs> part of the, there's, of there's the design always
0: cocaine yeah <laughs> it was the 80s i mean you know party on <laughs> A okay. party on yeah. indeed. <laughs> yeah, possibly some cocaine involved in the writing of this ending. And the last thing we see is the old wizened man from the beginning of the film offering uh, the puzzle box to another man, saying, What's your pleasure? And then the movie ends on a kind of a weak note, disappointingly. <laughs>
1: unfortunately but uh the the highs have been so high
0: exactly that we we excuse the ending because it's just such an incredible film i feel like this is like a straight people ending this will <laughs> this, this ending is also it will set us up for all of the sequels um which turn. The Cenobites from esoteric sadomasochists into, like, slashers. Yeah, which, boo. Yeah, exactly. So that's Hellraiser. That is Hellraiser. What if – we've learned a lot. We have. We've learned a lot on this journey. Um, Tina, thank you so much for coming back and talking about this, the second part of this movie. We managed to keep it to an hour and a half. proud of us yeah (laughs) so uh once again um tell us where people can find you
1: so i am tina horn's ass on twitter and instagram that's t-i-n-a-h-r-n-s-a-s-s my website is t-i-n-a-h-r-n dot net and there you can find clips of articles i have written for various online magazines and uh books that i've written and edited or contributed to including my comic book series safe sex safe sex protection volume one is available as trade paperback wherever fine books and comic books are sold i highly recommend you patronize your local book or comic book store they need you and you need them even if you don't realize it
0: you do and
1: because like we said
0: earlier talking about foster sesta and if y'all don't know what that is please look it up because it's affecting you even if you don't think it is these Places like Amazon and Abe Books that are par- are partnering with these payment processors that are funded by evangelical Christian organizations, like anti quote unquote anti trafficking organizations. So please patronize local bookstores whenever you can, because that's why things get censored.
1: Yeah, and then also letting your local book and comic book stores know that you are interested in not just my books, but um, uh, all books that are written by queer creators that have sexual themes that like like advocating for your right as an adult to read adult literature that has adult themes including ultraviolence and torture and pleasurable sex and yep. love and some of the good like, old
0: ultra violence
1: yes exactly uh and like non-conformist bodies and all kinds of things um it's it's really important because you if you think that you know how at every level of the marketplace people are are scared to touch anything related to sexual subcultures Mm -hmm. like it's a hundred times worse than you think it is take it from someone who knows so take it um, from the both of us yeah take it from the dude we (laughs) take it from us we know yeah we it is a fucking miracle that we can make fun of christ and talk about how much we love like the hooks and chains piercing our flesh on this podcast network avail- or n- not podcast network on this podcast well, that's which is why available I will always like, be, on the internet
0: that's why I will always be indie because no one will <laughs> touch me so I mean I'm oh, okay yeah. with that I don't, I don't want to be censored so it's you know this is not that that the the idea all this discourse around can't get pride all all of this stuff that's coming up that is already the dominant ideology (laughs) so it's so real exactly so take it take it from us it this shit is bad out here so yes (laughs) uh and something to something to watch out for
1: from me is the next volume of Safe Sex, which is called Safe Sex Terms of Service, not coincidentally to all of this uh, internet censorship stuff that we're talking about, which is a total body horror, cyber thriller, fetish love fest about like a group of queer sex workers finding the power, which in this case is manifested as both incels and then a... Um, I I want to sort of keep the like role of the bimbo bots in this book sort of mysterious. Um, so I don't want to spoil too much, but there's bimbo bots yeah. involved. Um, so if you like bimbos and you like bots, you know I, gonna I do. The, the
0: fembots from Austin Powers are like a gay root for me.
1: Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, so that is going to be available from Image Comics uh, wherever fine books and comic books are sold uh, in fall of 2021. And uh, yeah, I'm doing more intimacy coordinator and consulting work. So if that's something that you're in a position to hire for, hit me up through my website. And, you know, my show, uh, my podcast, Why Are People Into That, has been on hiatus this year because this year is fucking hard um but um but it's a really amazing show and there's so many episodes and yeah I'm I'm leaning on the archive um right now I'm I'm hoping people can catch up on seven years of uh smack talk but I I'm actually going to do uh an in-person live show with Chingy Nia, who has uh, is a friend of this pod. Hi, Chingy. Uh, she doesn't listen uh, to podcasts unabashedly. <laughs> totally,
0: so she'll never hear this.
1: But <laughs> but, uh, but we're we're gonna. She is uh, hilarious, and uh, you know, even like makes me blush, um, which is hard to do. Uh, it, so we're gonna do a live version of Why Are People Into That uh, at this awesome gallery in LA called Junior High. Um, Fuck, I had a on, show at on junior
0: high So many connections
1: Yeah uh, it's it's a great place um, uh, When is that? So that's on July 11th I'm so, um, going come uh, you to know, LA for that You should You should and then we'll You know we'll paint the town Some colors I don't know pink We'll paint the town pink We'll paint it black I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um but that's we'll great. like get that's just, really like, exciting wasted and watch some new french extreme cinema yes um and um but we'll like project it on the side of a building and are did horrify uh the neighbors um and what the fuck else do i do you should give me money
0: shit's hard. You should. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard for all of us right now and I want you all to know that there are queer people making the queer art that you want already. And totally. you just have to go outside of the streaming model and Amazon to find it because they're not going to they're not going to support this work. So please yeah if
1: you are a fan of hellraiser just remember that queer perverts died for your sins jesus wept to bring you (laughs) this These fucking the shit you love um and if you keep throwing queer perverts under the bus then you won't have more hellraisers in your life and then you will be the one who is weeping.
0: No, everything will be YA and Disney Plus. So oh, God. don't let it happen. patronize Don't Tina. let it
1: happen. Patronize yeah, you me. have the
0: power. Yeah. Patreon.com slash guts Jallo. I do screenings, discussions. Um, you know, follow me there. Follow both of us on social media. I'm Girls Guts Giallo everywhere. Um Except TikTok because they keep deleting my account, but I'm on oh there God. now as Les Vampire X. So I,
1: I do, I do so appreciate that you managed to sneak some of the crisco disco fisting scenes
0: from cruising onto instagram this week totally i know it's like only a matter well of time done. before they find me but you don't <laughs> i'm uh you know I'm, I'm trying to be good so i don't get my accounts deleted it good aka boring because boners and fun is illegal
1: so... oh you are you are anything but boring
0: <laughs> thank you i try. <laughs> so uh thank you for listening and um you know girls Guts Jalu is a monthly podcast now because the patreon has grown so big that I, i can't keep up with i can't do a weekly podcast and do all of that so this is a monthly podcast now so you know if you miss me um you know sign up Patreon. I'm I'm much more active on there these days and I will see you all next month with another main episode. See you all in hell. See you in hell.